grace, mercy, and peace to you, my friend. In the name of Jesus, amen. At the beginning of Orthodoxy, one of my all-time favorite books, the brilliant Christian G.K. Chesterton speaks of a, of a story he always wanted to write. He actually says, i just kind of been too lazy to write it. It's a story of an English yachtsman, <laughs> yachtsman, who after a slight miscalculation of his course, discovered England under the impression that it was a new island in the South Seas. He says that certainly this yachtsman was thought a fool, and he, he felt like one too. But his mistake, it actually turned out to be an enviable one. And the yachtsman knew it was an enviable mistake. Why is that? Well, because, Chesterton says, what could be more delightful than to have in the same few moments all the fascinating terrors of going abroad, traveling you know, on the adventure, sailing the high seas and all that kind of stuff, combined with all the humane security of coming home again. What could be better, he says, than to have all the fun of discovering South Africa without the disgusting necessity of landing there? Chesterton says that. I've never been. I don't know if it's disgusting or not, so don't hold that against me. Chesterton is making a point. And then he confesses that he is the man in the yacht. The miscalculation he made was thinking like the 19th century philosophers who denied Christ and all the wisdom of the Bible. He says, I am the fool, and no rebel shall hurl me from my throne. I freely confess all the idiotic ambitions of the end of the 19th century. I did, like all the other solemn little boys, try to be in advance of the age. Like them, I tried to be some uh, 10 minutes ahead of the truth. And, Chesterton says, I found out that I was actually 1,800 years behind it. He, say, he says he, uh, he strained his, his voice with a... a uh, a painfully juvenile exaggeration in uttering his truths. And, he writes, I was punished. <laughs> I was punished in the, the fittest and funniest way, for I have kept my truths. But I have discovered, not that they were not truths, but simply that they were not mine. They weren't personal, subjective truths, but universal, objective truths. And when I fancied that I stood alone, Chesterton says, I was really in the ridiculous position of being backed up by all of Christendom. And this, this right here is the best part. He says, it may be, heaven forgive me, that I did try to be original, which is the worst thing a, a Christian theologian can try to be is original, but I succeeded, he says, in inventing all by myself an inferior copy of the existing traditions of civilized religion. The man from the yacht thought he was the first to discover England. I thought I was the first to find Europe, Chesterton says. And I, I did try to found a heresy, he admits, a heresy of my own. And when I had put the last touches to it, I discovered that it was actually orthodoxy. <laughs> that is, he discovered 
to be a faithful, right Christian, and that he hadn't come up with anything new, but only rediscovered what was already there. Now, what does this have to do with the 14th Sunday after Trinity's readings? We heard from Scripture, from Proverbs and Galatians and Luke. What does it have to do with any of these texts we read this morning? First of all, if we're all honest, we are all like Chesterton, aren't we? We're the foolish man in the yacht. Just as we're all right and good to claim St. Paul's words for ourselves and honestly claim to be the chief among sinners. I am the chief among sinners, we say, of ourselves, as St. Paul said of his self. If we're like that and we're honest with ourselves, we can all also honestly, truthfully say, I am the fool and no rebel shall hurl me from my throne. No, not even you. I am the king of fools. And while it's true, that someone can fool me. It's equally true that no one can outfool me. And in the fittest and funniest way, because of our foolishness, we often believe that we know best, don't we? Or that at least we know better than the next guy. We fool ourselves into thinking that. And this is this is actually a known phenomenon. And it's on full display among sophomores everywhere be they in high school or college or just sophomores in spirit. It's all there in the name, sophomore. It's the combination of two Greek words, sophos, meaning wise, as in philosophy, sophists, sophisticated, and moros, which means foolish, as in, you guessed it, moron. Sophos, moros, sophomore. You see it right there in the word, sophomore, the O is still there, Sappho. We just pronounce it sophomore. Wise moron. Wise fool. The Proverbs reading for today tells us how to deal with being fools, how to be wise fools. Hear, my son, and accept my words, we read. I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of uprightness. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. As the text goes on and on, and all that we read there in 4, verses 10 to 23, and, and, and beyond in all Scripture, it goes on to show us our foolishness. That it's again laying claim to the throne. What do I mean? How do you read this text here in Proverbs? We read, My son... Be attentive to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. for They are life to those who find them, and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. How did you hear that? How do you read that text? How do you understand that text? Let me answer for you the same way I do, as the fool that you are, <laughs> as a moron. That's right. That's how. As the foolish man in the yacht, with a slight miscalculation, and that slight miscalculation actually might turn out to be severe. Am I right? You know I am. I know I am. 
Oh, we say as we look at the text, this is how I'm supposed to be wise. This right here, this explains how I'm supposed to avoid evil and walk on the path of the upright. These are the instructions for me that I must follow if I want to be a Christian. No, (laughs) no, that's moronic, friend. Yes, it's the way of wisdom, that part's true, but not for you to do and keep, no. This text, like every other word of the Old Testament, is about whom? That's right, it's about Jesus. John 5, 39, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it's they that bear witness about me, Jesus says. Proverbs 4.10, hear my son and accept my words that the years of your life may be many. And Jesus, the heavenly father's son says, okay, dad, I'm listening. I have taught you the way of wisdom, dad says. I have led you into the paths of uprightness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered. And if you run, you will not stumble. Let me ask you. When's the last time you, as a Christian, walked and your step wasn't hampered or you ran and you didn't stumble? We still do that, even after our baptism, even as Christian believers, right? Right. Who didn't? Who followed this wisdom perfectly, never stumbling? His step never hampered. Jesus, you know it. It's all about Jesus. How he needed to live to be wise and upright. It's about Christ who kept hold of his father's instruction, didn't let her go, and guided her because she was his life, his life eternal, as we've talked about in recent days. Jesus kept the instruction his father gave to our forefathers. The law written in Proverbs and in the books of Moses and throughout the prophets, Jesus kept all of them. He, he kept it all perfectly. And as we learned in last week's sermon, by doing so, he earned eternal life many days, which he graciously now distributes to you. Jesus is wise because you and I are fools. We're morons. We're yachtsmen making miscalculations and thinking we discovered England anew. In this proverb, as in all of Scripture, we see our foolishness on full display, and we see his wisdom, Christ's wisdom, his perfection. We see our sin and his perfection. Like a Samaritan leper in today's gospel reading, who returned to the good Samaritan, our Lord Jesus Christ, from last week's gospel reading, the one who healed him, when he cried out for mercy. We return like him and we give thanks and praise to Christ because we see our utter foolishness, our sin, and we see his great wisdom, his great perfection reflected back to us in the scripture. Now that you've been healed like that leper, there's no need to continue as if you're still bound by the law like like the nine other lepers. No, you're not like some spiritless drone running along according to the law that no longer enslaves you. You see that you've been healed. By the Spirit, we see that we've been healed. And so you turn to Jesus and you thank him with all of your hearts 
for the good news, the gospel, for him being wise and holding on to instruction tightly, guarding her to earn eternal life and give it to you. In this way, my friend, like this one Samaritan leper from the gospel lesson, you're led by the Spirit and no longer under the law to tie in our epistle Galatians reading, yeah? It's foolishness to search the scriptures for what you must do to be wise. What you must do is the clue there. That's law. Have you not already heard in your baptism? Have you not already heard weekly in your confession when you confess your sins right here in church, when you come to church and you hear the words of absolution spoken over you? Have you not already heard in the Eucharist, the thanksgiving to God at the Lord's Supper? Have you not already heard? Do you not daily hear in your scripture reading that Jesus, not you, Jesus has kept the law for you in your place? Yes, yes, you have. So why do we read scripture? To learn what Jesus has done for us. Because we're not wise. Because we are fools. Foolish yachtsmen, the lot of us. Who make not slight miscalculations, but severe miscalculations. Sins. Because of the grace of God, despite our miscalculations, we discover over and over again, thanks be to Jesus, what all of Christendom has long known, that Jesus Christ is our Savior, is our home, our homeland. He is our England in the story of the yachtsman. He forgives your sins. The grace of God secured by Jesus who walked in the way of wisdom as outlined in Proverbs and in all of Scripture. That grace has been given to you, dear saint. You. And so, I say welcome ashore. I'm glad you discovered what's been here all along. My fellow yachtsmen. Like Jesus said of the Samaritan, that leper, he now says to you, rise and go your way. Christian, your faith has made you well. Amen. <laughs>